I still remember exactly where I was the first time I ever heard Blue Rodeo's debut single, Try. Don't tell me I'm wrong Cause I've been watching every move that you make And you made up the heels Trouble for the man that you take Every time I was driving just north of Toronto and merging into the on-ramp for the 401 highway. I don't know why I remember that, but I do. Blue Rodeo was formed by Jim Cuddy and Greg Keeler in 1984. And over the last 20 years, their music has been a constant in my life and with my friends. They are one of the most predominant bands on the soundtrack of my life. Great. Hello there. Hey, Jim. How are you? Pleasure. Brett, nice, nice to you. meet you. Hi. Hi. And so, imagine my thrill when I got the opportunity to sit down with Jim Cuddy and have a conversation. A man whose music has given me so much and who I greatly admire as a songwriter and a singer. Yeah, yeah, we can do I'll just come in and make you miserable. All right, that sounds good. Now, Jim and I had met once before, though <laughs> the circumstances were quite a bit different. But you'll have to wait until the second act to hear that story. <laughs> but that's another story. In the first act, I want to share some of the conversation I had with Jim Cuddy as we explore the power of music, collaboration, and connection. Welcome to Where There's Smoke, the show where we explore self-development through the lens of current events, pop culture, and experience. This week, we are getting together to explore collaboration through the lens of music. Joining us is musician and songwriter Jim Cuddy from Blue Rodeo. And then Nick and I update you on where we are since our last episode. My name is Brett Gaida. That guy over there is the Simon to my Garfunkel, the Lennon to my McCartney, the Hall to my Oates, the Abbott to my Costello, the Batman to my Robin, the Pinky to my Brain, the Tom to my Jerry, the the mashed potatoes to my gravy, the Sanford to my son. No, 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 no. That's it. Stop. We have to get on with the show right now. That's too much. Oh, Oh, okay. I'm sorry. Everyone got it? Let's start the show. I think I'm a natural partnering person. Jim Cuddy is, of his own admittance, a collaborator. In 1978, six years before they formed Blue Rodeo, Jim Cuddy and Greg Keeler formed their first band, The High Fives. And their professional collaboration began. A collaboration that still exists today, 40 years later. I think that uh, I, d- I did a lot of my own when I was starting out doing music, but I, I was much more comfortable in a partnership. So, when, you know, once Greg and I established our partnership, that, was, that sort of meant everything to me. And, um, and I, I like working with people. 
um, more than I like working on my own. Now, even though Jim and Greg have been collaborating for 40 years, and 1978 is also the same year that Jim met the woman who would become his wife. I pile everything into good years, yeah. yeah, yeah. You could make a case that Jim's longest standing collaboration is actually with music itself. I had been really smitten with music since I was young. I had a guitar when I was 10. And everything music just just was, uh, I was completely enraptured with it. I was completely enraptured by Roy Rogers from the Roy Rogers show when he would sing at the end. I loved cowboy music. And then I loved the Beatles and, and, and all that British invasion. I mean, it was the most powerful thing in my life. It was, this is a way of trans, translating or transposing all the things I feel about the world. You know, I, I really believed in pop songs when I was young. I thought they told me a lot. I still do. I recognize there's a lot more to it now. But I thought at the time, I thought there's about everything you need to know is written in pop songs. And it's a great relief to sort of come upon a language that you, you feel that you could, you could carry with you in advance and, and it's not a struggle. And so I think that's the way it's always been for me. Collaboration can be defined many ways. If you simply look at the word, you can see it begins with the term co-labor, to work together. Slightly more wordy definitions will state that it is the action of working with someone to produce or create something. But collaboration is not just the action of humans working together. There have been several studies done in the past decade that conclude that how we collaborate has been crucial to human evolution and a significant contributor to our success as a species. In his 2011 New York Times article, Nicholas Wade writes that biologists have little hesitation in linking human success to their sociality and that our ability to cooperate lies at the root of human achievement. Behavioral scientist Dr. Alicia P. Mellis published an article in the Annals of the New York Academy of Sciences entitled The Evolutionary Roots of Human Collaboration. She writes, Collaboration between individuals working together to obtain mutually beneficial goals is probably one of the reasons that humans are such a successful species. And it's not just that we, as human beings, collaborate. But it is, as Dr. Mellis puts it, that we excel at it in comparison to other species, specifically in the many different mechanisms we possess to maintain and enforce cooperation. Jim Cuddy and Greg Keeler have been successfully collaborating for 40 years. I asked Jim to sum up some of his experiences in this partnership, some of the pros and cons. We started with the challenges. You know, I don't know. I mean, the cons are the cons of life. You know, they, they're just, it's difficult to, to, to be judged by somebody else. It's difficult to feel you have to always present something to somebody else. It's difficult as your lives go on and they, they diverge to constantly bring them back. It's difficult when you have very different things you want out of music or levels of energy. I mean, Greg and I are very different people. And yet we've managed somehow to reach... You know, first of all, we've done a lot of work together, and that's I'm proud of that. And we've managed, generally speaking, to to keep it all together. You know, the cons are that it's it's 
it's difficult. And, and you, sometimes you feel you're hurting the other person. You know, sometimes you feel like maybe this isn't what they want. Maybe they would rather be independent and go off their own. Uh, you know, when we started doing solo records, that helped a lot because it is, as you said, it's like having an open marriage in, in music. You're not trying to get everything you possibly want out of music, out of one group, one collection of people. And it helps you to witness somebody else's solo work, see what they would do on their own without you. Gives everybody confidence that that they can they bring something back where they're not subordinate to somebody else's ideas. We here at Where There's Smoke talked about the benefits of separation and space in creativity in our Work It episode with David Usher back in season two. Collaboration, like all creativity, cannot be constant and still be effective. It is sort of a dance. And you need to appreciate or maybe just respect its rhythm. Now, while this dance may have moments of trepidation, it also brings great benefits. And, you know, I think the pros are, are many. The pros are that you share uh, a very unusual life and an arc in life with somebody. I mean, <clears throat> my wife certainly understands everything that's happened to us as a couple and me as in my music, but not all the things that I've gone through on a day-to-day -day basis. Everyone in the band understands. They un we, can, we know, we can laugh about it, we can argue about it, but we have shared a very unique experience. And, you know, I'm glad for that. I, I wouldn't want to go through this alone. Being that Jim's professional collaboration with Greg Keeler and his relationship with his wife started in the same year, I asked Jim if he thought there were any parallels between the partnership he has in his marriage and his musical partnership. I, I suppose you could make a case for it, but no, I don't think so. I mean, I think that your life partner is, is first of all, going to, you know, you're going to experience many more ups and downs. There's certain times when being in a band is just working together, and then there's certain times when being in a band is being in a family. And you rely on them when, when you need to, and you are independent from them when when that's what you need to. Um, you don't have that luxury in a marriage. In a marriage, you 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 are pretty much in each other's face all the time, <laughs> and you need to figure things out, and you need to always talk. You can go long periods of time in a band without dealing with something, and uh, that's because it's, it's you know almost part time. And as he spoke, I I realized how right he was, or how much I agreed with him. And maybe it simply goes back to that definition of collaboration, the action of working with someone to produce or create something. And not to say that you don't create a life or create a family, but I think collaboration is a project-based thing. And hopefully most people don't think about their significant other or their family as a project. And as Jim continued to speak, he touched on something that I think is very powerful within our collaborative relationships. And there is also the catharsis of work. Um, whatever happens in a band, whatever is roiling uh, under the surface, um, you have that performance at night and that sorts a lot of stuff out. That makes everybody feel 
good and this was a this is a good endeavor and we're doing the right thing and then the problems don't seem so so huge yeah. so there's a lot of ways of of assuaging the tension you feel in bands i can so relate to this and think of many times in past collaborations including with nick and i collaborating on this show where that catharsis of work is a saving grace where the act of collaboration itself creates the shift. Going back to Dr. Mellis's article, she writes that human beings appear to be intrinsically motivated to work collaboratively with others and choose to collaborate with a partner even when they could achieve the same goal on their own. That unlike other species, like for example, chimpanzees, who have been shown to collaborate at times, Human beings find the collaborative activity rewarding in itself. We collaborate not only as a strategy for reaching perhaps otherwise inaccessible goals, but for the intrinsic experience of the collaboration. You know, it, it really fits that Jim Cuddy calls himself a naturally partnering person, and that we are talking about collaboration within Blue Rodeo. Because when I think of Blue Rodeo, the first word that comes to mind is together or togetherness. I have, just have so many memories of sort of being around campfires as friends or at your, at your shows or, yeah. you know, arms around friends. And just there's yeah. this, there's this sort of, you know, and, and maybe it does go back to Lost Together, but sort of like we're all in this together feeling yeah. that I get when I think about my history at Blue Rodeo. And, and mm -hmm. I, I love that. I don't know. You know, I like that. Well, I've always liked that about, about the, the makeup of bands is that you, you see bands that, that seem to be a bunch of dissimilar people coming together to make music. And I think that that's, I, I've always, if I were to look at us from objectively, and I would look at two very different singers, but singing together and and obviously having a like having an obvious camaraderie. Yeah, that's you know that kind of feels good to an audience. Yeah, I think those those two guys are the same. Like there is a certain level of togetherness that's holding us all. That is the intro to the song, You Be the Lever, from Jim Cuddy's new solo record, Constellation. It is a song about being left behind. Because as much as Blue Rodeo has always signified togetherness for me, and perhaps Jim as well, in this life, we are mortals. We are vulnerable. And in that, life isn't always bringing us together. Sometimes it is tearing us apart. And later on, crying on the phone, you said you need to change the scenery. And because of my age and because of where I am in life, I am at a point in my life where I'm having to <clears throat> deal with loss more than I had to 10 mm. years ago. And that shows up on the record a lot. I think the uh, companion piece to dealing with loss is the constancy of your feelings for certain people. And, and that's sort of the way you balance losing people is to start to look around and think, I love 
my wife. I love my friends. I love this or that. And as this episode releases, Jim Cuddy is on the precipice of a new tour that perhaps is that balance to the losses he is dealing with. I think for me is going to be historic because it's got my good friend Barney Bentel and it's got my two sons coming with me and we'll, we'll figure out this kind of jamboree night of, you know, a celebration of music and family and, and friends. So I am anxious to get started on the tour. And so perhaps in collaboration, we not only find a way to evolve, to thrive, and to create, but we also find a way to weather the storms. Jim's career and Blue Rodeo isn't so much a story of how people come together, it's a story of how they stay together. And more recently, how when we are torn apart from those that we love, that we can lean into our other collaborations for solace, comfort, and maybe even a bit of rebirth. In the silence of this whispered night I listen only to your breath And in that second of it shooting star Somehow it all makes sense. And so even in moments when we may feel lost, through our collaborations, we can be reminded that we are lost together. And in that, we'll be okay. So I did mention at the beginning of the show that Jim Cuddy and I had met prior to this interview, though I wasn't sure if he'd remember it. So I will say, uh, <laughs> you may or may not remember this, but we, we have actually met once before. Okay. We've, uh, we've actually even performed together. So 19, I want to, I guess it was 90, I think it was beginning of 99. It might've been the end of 98, but uh, you were playing in San Francisco at okay. Slim's. Yep. And you asked if anyone wanted to sing. <laughs> Did you come up and, and sing? And I came on stage and I sang Bad Time and I asked you for an A-harp. Oh. And I remember you started joke like, oh, he wants an A-harp. And uh, 
Yeah, I played harp. Oh man, good for you. Sang, okay. lead, sang, lead, sang lead vocals for Blue Rodeo. It's not wow. on your Wikipedia page, strangely. I don't know. Uh, really? Well, you can add it. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, wow, that's so great. It's, it's sort of my uh, one of my. So I I gave you a harp. Now I feel I need to distinguish this event through context. I mean, think about it. Who is one of your favorite bands or musical artists? I'm talking about number one or number two on your list. Now imagine playing with them, live on stage in front of an audience. Plus, the song I sang, Bad Timing, is one of, if not my favorite song ever written. More than that, I often say I wish that I wrote it. I mean, that, that song is perfect to me. And there I was, on stage, singing it with the band that wrote it. And they are backing me up. I never meant to make you cry. And though I know I shouldn't call, it just reminds us of the cost of everything we've lost. Bad time in Amazing. I mean, just an amazing moment. Now, I'll be honest, I was really hoping that Jim would remember. I didn't really expect him to. I mean, it was 19 years ago, and he must play 150 or so shows a year. But mostly I was hoping he'd remember because now, with each passing year, I find myself questioning, did that, did that really happen? Like, you're the only one who knows this happened. I'm the only witness. Yeah. That is my friend Lori Higashi, former booking agent, music aficionado, and awesome human being. Now, Lori is very important to this story, and that's why I gave her a call. Because Lori was with me that night at Slim's. She was there when I got up and sang lead vocals for Blue Rodeo. I've almost gotten to a point where I'm not sure if, or I don't even believe it really happened. I know. <laughs> so, like, if you weren't alive, I think I might, or if you weren't there, like, I might actually start to convince myself, maybe I did make this up. Maybe that never actually happened. Like, you're pretty sure it happened, right? Oh, yeah, yeah no, okay. I'm positive it happened. Okay. Okay. <laughs> All right. Keep in mind, this happened pre-iPhone. And then it was pre-iPhone, right? I know. I mean, if it wasn't pre-iPhone, you would have whipped out your phone, taken some video. Exactly. Maybe taking some pics, right? Right, right. So it's not taped. There's no video. There's there's just you, man. (laughs) So there is no record of the experience outside of Lori and I's memory, which in my case (laughs) may be fading. But... I had forgotten a very important exchange in this timeline. That Lori had run into Jim Cuddy at South by Southwest a few years later, and he did remember. Because I remember I, I remember I told you I, I mentioned it to him when I saw them at South by Southwest. And at that point, he remembered it. But that was only a few years later. That was like in 2002, maybe. You know, so it had wasn't that long ago <laughs> you know but he remembered it so he remembered it yeah that time see 
But that would only be three years past, not 20 years past, right? Did it happen? I don't know. I trust Lori. She's an honest person. Maybe check Wikipedia in a week. But either way, it's a great memory. Yeah, so, so yeah, so there you go. I just wanted to mention that. It's sort of, it's sort of, uh, it was That's a, a good one. It's a long time ago now. It's crazy. Yeah. But I'll never forget sort of singing and looking to my left and right and thinking, oh my gosh, the <laughs> Greg, Greg Keeler and Jim Cuddy are singing background vocals <laughs> for me. That's pretty good. Well, you must have done well. I want to say thank you to Matt Yaseko at the Billions Corporation, Susan DeCarte at Starfish Entertainment, and Steve Waxman at Warner Music, all three of whom helped make my interview with Jim Cuddy happen and were very generous in the process. And to Jim Cuddy, I can only hope that he appreciates what we put together and that this show makes an impact for people and helps bring his music to some new people. Check out his new album, Constellation, out now. And if you are in Canada, he is on tour with his band through April. Check jimcuddy.com for dates. Well, Jim, thank you so much for the time. Um, it's been a pleasure. And, you know, personally, I just, again, want to say that, uh, yeah, your music's been a massive part of my life. And thank uh, thanks for that gift. Well, thank you. Very kind words. I appreciate it. Thank awesome. you. Awesome. All right. Cheers. That was fun. Thank you very much. You're very thanks, welcome. Jim. Thanks, Brett. Thanks. Hey, thank you so much, Steve. I really appreciate it. Take care, Brett. Jim. Pleasure to meet you. It's you Jim's too. time. I want to meet you. Phone call. <laughs> I'll be back in a second. All right. This week we are not doing digs at all. No. But we're going to do an update no. on something that happened last episode, which is where Brett gave up social media for the month. And in solidarity, I gave up cable news because we both feel like we were being somehow manipulated or I don't know what the word is for it, but we're only allowing ourselves four minutes, including this time. Yes, it's already started. We already started. So if we're mid-sentence when that goes off, we're done. So Brett, yeah. how has your, if you haven't heard it, listen to last week's show or two weeks ago's show. Brett, how is your yeah. um, break like social from media. social media going? Yes. Uh, well, so we're exactly pretty much two weeks in. I mean, a little yes. bit more, but um, I have to say uh, sort of as predicted, Nick, I mean, I think initially just like any addiction, it was very clear that it was an addiction. I mean, I deleted the apps off my phone. I found myself grabbing my phone and like scrolling, like my thumb scrolling it, you know, like the 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 vet who lost his leg and it thinks it's still there. And I'm uh, so that was, but that was only like maybe two or three days. Uh, I, I flew to Mexico City on the month on the Tuesday when I started the fast, uh, the social media fast, and so I was having dinner in Mexico City and I had this amazing meal and I so wanted to take a picture of it and post it or just share it. So I think. I think the hardest thing for me, Nick, honestly, I mean, besides sort of just the the addiction of like, uh-uh, is not being able to share things. And, well, I remember and, that and in that's the really hard. In the episode, they, I don't forget who said it, was talking about we're being trained yeah. to share and to seek validation for the things that we experience, which I think is a very, very good point. Yeah. And I think there's sort of two ways to look at it is that number one is I think it's very possible that I'm sort of trained and like, why should I need validation? Why should I need to be like, hey, look what I did. But then I think the other flip side of the coin is, you know, I travel a lot and you've maybe had this experience. It's like it's it's very different to sort of travel and experience something and just go or to travel with someone and be able to look at them and go, oh, my gosh, wasn't that awesome? Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes social media is me saying, wasn't that awesome? And someone else going, yeah, it was. 
And there is sort of a real connection. So I'm not so, sort of sure, but I will say, I know only got four minutes. So I'll just say, that, look, it was, it was an addiction two or three days. But since then, it's been easy. Do you feel like it's better though? Well, I think it's better in the fact that I'm, I'm definitely not as mad. I'm not as outraged. I think the, the question for me is going to be, it has been sort of this, how do I find ways to stay connected, which I think I've done a pretty good job through sort of news and Reddit and other things. Um, but it's also going to be a, a sort of a question of when I come back, which I think I will in some way, how I come back and what that looks like. So it's not just, you know, I ate healthy for a month and then I just went back to junk food. Right. No. And, and as I have some feelings. You posted a, a Toronto Blue Jays thing on there. And I was like, for like the Where There's Smoke account. And I was like, I don't know, Brett. No, I didn't. That's way old. That's way old? Yeah, that was before yeah. the past? Oh, gosh. That's way old. Why did Facebook tell me about it? Someone probably liked it or commented on it. And then they Why are you guys back. going back in time? I don't Post know. I'm not Facebook. No, I'm, I'm talking about Facebook. the people posting on old oh. stuff. Oh, I don't know, man. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You have it's a funny, lot of time. Like, I'm, yeah. But I'll just yeah. say this. So I yes. have cable news on a lot during the day. I have not given up social media, but as people know, I don't do that much on it. doesn't mean I'm not on Twitter. I don't go on Facebook. Um, but now I find myself not putting anything on to keep me company while I work. And I find myself much less angry and much less anxious sick in general, like an outrage. So yeah, duh. this is not a surprise to anybody, but it's weird. Like, why do we continue to make bad choices that make us stressed out when we know it does? Like, what is that? So I'm doing so great. So you don't, don't feel that cable news was actually, was it just sort of mindlessly in the background or was it keeping you It was, but I peek at it and be like, ugh. <laughs> You know, like breaking news. What? So, yeah, that's that. That's it. I know we're almost out of time, but all right. Oh, look, there's a timer. All right, we'll be back with more on this in two weeks. Yeah. Yo, where you been? Welcome to the credits. Shout out to Waylon76 from the USA for the Apple Podcast Review. Waylon76 wrote, absolutely my favorite podcast ever. This is the only podcast I can think of that I've ever listened to episodes multiple times. We love that. WTS, the gift that keeps on giving. If you've never reviewed the show on Apple Podcasts, would you give us that gift? Every review helps to raise our visibility to other potential listeners. And frankly, it's just great hearing from all of you. Thank you to Mike Ritzius and Patrick Keller for promoting our Mad as Hell episode on Twitter. Well, at least that's what I heard. And by the way, tell Twitter, I say hi. I think most of you might be surprised at how small our listenership is for Where There's Smoke. There's a, a lot of noise out there, and we're always fighting to do our part to help others and add value. So if you want to join the fight, please share the show. Facebook posts, tweets, Instagram, and of course, word of mouth. I mean, does anyone come to mind as you listen to this show? Do you know any musicians? Any Blue Rodeo fans? Just say, hey Siri. I'm here. Text Jane Doe. What do you want to say? Check out the latest episode of the Where There's Smoke podcast. I think you'll dig it. Your message to Jane Doe says, Check out the latest episode of the Where There's Smoke podcast. I think you'll dig it. Ready to send it? Send it. See? It's that easy. In addition, you can support the show by giving us as little as just a couple dollars a month. Go to supportwts.com. 
Where There's Smoke is a collaboration, coalition, collusion, communion, engagement, entente, fraternization, friendship, partnership, and union between Brett Gaida, Nick Jaworski, and the WTS support team made up of Teresa Ward, Kristen McMullen, and Dylan Davis. If you have a podcast or you want to make one and you want it to sound awesome, look up Nick at podcastmonster.com. And if you're looking for a keynote speaker, panelist, or facilitator for an event, reach out to me, Brett, B-R-E-T-T, at where there's smoke. Our podcast cover was designed by Sam Goff with a redesign by Ricky Rowe at Alchemist Creative. The WTS theme song was written and recorded by Des McKinney and remixed by Nick Jaworski. Speaking of music and Nick, what other music was featured in this episode? This week we have music from Chris Zabriskie, Ketza, Blue Dot Sessions, which is not to be confused with the music of Jim Cuddy's Blue Rodeo and, of course, his solo music. There's a little bit of audio and music from something called Hamie the Hamster. I don't know. You have to ask Brett about that. And, of course, Kevin McLeod. And lastly, we remind you that if you ever need support or to be inspired, just look around for someone to collaborate with. You may find a partner in the most unlikely of places. Hey Siri, will you collaborate with me? This is about you, not me. I have everything I need already. Oh, that didn't go as planned. Thanks for listening. We love you. We'll see you next time. That's sweet, Brett, but it's not meant to be.